0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Home can mean many things. It can be a physical building, the literal roof over your head. It could be a group of people that you care about, feel comfortable with. Or it can be a stretch of land an area where your family has roots going back generations, a homeland. So much of the conflict in Israel and the Middle East going back decades comes back to this question. Who has a right to these ancient spaces? And right now, in the occupied West Bank, Palestinians say they are being forced out of an area that much of the world says should be the future home of a Palestinian state, a homeland to be. With so much scrutiny over Israel's tactics in Gaza, less has been said about what it is allegedly doing there. So CNN went to find out.
2: I mean, I I sound bemused because it was confusing and uncomfortable for us. And I can only imagine how it would have felt to a Palestinian.
1: Today, house settlers and the Israeli military are working together to create a culture of fear in the West Bank. From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Rind. Today, I'm talking with CNN's chief international investigative correspondent, Nima al She spent three weeks in Israel, reporting on Palestinians in the occupied West Bank. So Nima, we've talked about how violence from settlers and Israeli forces have made life really horrible for the Palestinians who live in the West Bank. But now you and your team have done this deep dive investigation into just how closely these extremist settlers and the Israeli military are working so where did you start
2: we were receiving these videos from palestinian activists and uh, and actually an israeli activist betselem which is uh, an amazing organization based out of israel that works in both israel and the palestinian territories had been really ringing the alarm The spike in violence actually predated October 7th. And a lot of it seemed to be around the increased militarization of settlers, the inability to distinguish between who is a settler who's just wearing khaki and has a weapon, and who is a settler who is now a reservist, part of the IDF reserve battalions, and who is part of the settler civilian security squads. And, and, And it seemed like The settlers were exploiting that blurring of the lines, but there was no way that the IDF was not aware of the impact of that blurring of the lines. And part of that has to be attributed to the fact that you now have very senior members in the government who themselves are settlers, Mm. far-right politicians who have now become incredibly empowered. So Itamar Ben-Gavir, who's the national security minister, put through this legislation that has enabled for thousands of Israeli civilians to apply for, for gun licenses. But the question we put to the IDF was, so you have settlers who are just, you know, random men in fatigues with guns. Right. But then you have the reserve battalions, many of whom are settlers and are policing the region where the UN Security Council and under international law, their presence is deemed illegal. And then you have civilian security squads inside settlements. And they're supposed to police within the parameter of their settlements. But the question is, who gets to decide where the settlement ends and Palestinian land begins?
1: And so what do those encounters look like? You mentioned all these different groups that are basically wearing camo and have guns. So how do those play out on the streets?
2: Well, there was one video that was filmed by, actually, an Israeli activist who was working with B'Tselem. And there was so much pain in her description of of what she had witnessed. She was there alongside other peace activists to support the Palestinians in that location, to support their Palestinian friends. And for the first time in her life, a fellow Israeli opened fire on her. And you can see that in the video. A man in military fatigues with pretty heavy weaponry is shooting in the direction of what you can see are unarmed people holding up their phones, i.e. documenting the situation. We also saw other footage where they were going into Palestinian homes, a mixture of people wearing fatigue, some who looked like they could be regular soldiers, a few who looked like definitively, you know, one man in particular looked too old to meet the kind of the requirements to serve as a reservist. And what was really extraordinary is that when we sent the images that we had gathered to a senior IDF official, He couldn't tell the difference. He could not tell us, based on the uniforms, based on the demeanor, who was a soldier, who was a settler with a gun, and who was part of their civilian security squads.
1: Wasn't even sure if it was one of his own guys.
2: He he couldn't tell. And then we were stopped in a gas station. He said,
1: um, I have the right to uh, secure this area, and I need to check who you are and what
2: you are doing here. Again, by someone who was wearing no identifying insignia. It was the first time that someone felt empowered enough to to just walk up to us and say, show me your ID, who are you? And and refused to answer our question.
1: And you don't know who he is.
2: We have no idea who he is. And the IDF could not tell us if he was a soldier, if he was a civilian part of these settler security squads, or again, if he was just some random settler. I mean, I sound bemused because it was confusing and uncomfortable for us. And I can only imagine how it would have felt to a Palestinian. We raised these issues with a senior IDF official, and he said that there have been cases where reservists have been found to behave in ways that were not in keeping with the values of the IDF, that these reservists had been investigated, that in some cases they had been um, suspended or removed from Juicy, and that Palestinians should reach out to their local brigade for clarification. Which, again, if we can get the person who stopped us at a, a gas station to tell us who he was, which brigade he was from, how do you have any kind of accountability?
1: We'll be right back.
0: This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: We're back with Tug of War. I'm speaking with CNN's Nima al So that's obviously on like the more extreme end of the spectrum as to how this all plays out in the West Bank. But what about just... Day to day life, going about your business for the average Palestinian, like what kind of challenges are they seeing?
2: The restrictions, the restrictions are awful, and the way that the restrictions are enacted are humiliating. (laughs) We went into Tahramada, which is an area in Hebron where settlers have kind of pushed into past those agreed-upon Oslo Accord borders. And I've never seen a checkpoint like that before. It looked post-apocalyptic. So you go to a checkpoint, it's open, it's not open, you don't know. And so your home that is possibly just the other side of that checkpoint is now no longer accessible to you. So we went with Ihtidal, who's about 65 years old. And for her, if she had walked, it would have been an hour detour to get to her home.
1: Wow, an hour.
2: Yeah, uh, can you imagine while she's carrying all of these things and and the first checkpoint we came to was closed, the second checkpoint was closed. We finally get to the checkpoint where she can go in and it, it feels like a checkpoint taking you into a prison. And then when you get through the checkpoint, Palestinians are not allowed to drive. They have to walk. Only settlers can drive. Wow. And we very professionally, because we're used to working in these environments, say hello to the soldiers, let them know who we are. We walk right past them to the house where we are supposed to uh, be interviewing a Palestinian couple. They watch us walk in. They don't say anything. They don't tell us anything. We walk out and they tell us that now because we have been into a Palestinian home, then we also are a security threat.
1: Hmm.
2: Purely by association, we are somehow tainted. Sorry, just so I can understand, mm. just, just mm. so I can understand, yeah. so I'm really confused mm. as usual. So even though <laughs> we went through that th- checkpoint, okay. even though we went through that checkpoint, yeah. because and I said to the soldier, this is illogical you searched us, you watched us walk in, you search every Palestinian that comes towards their home, you search everything that goes into a Palestinian home.
1: Weren't the people in the home already searched?
2: Nothing comes in that doesn't go past your checkpoint. So what is it that you think is happening? And the soldier initially was like, well, maybe they gave you something. And I was like, again, what is it they could have given us given that we have clearance, we are a CNN crew, what do you think they could have given us? And he says, it's protocol. So we can't walk no, on the street? we can't no. go straight down yeah. Come back. If you would go through on. the checkpoints and you stay here, it's great. But if, as soon as you move from different areas... Yes. So you need to get rechecked. Now do you understand it? Oh. Yes, so All we right. need to get rechecked. So, so we're going right to the route that's... Okay, for next time. Come on, oh, okay, okay. let's All just right. go. Thank you, Thank you. we'll have see you in a day. bit. See you soon. So he he wanted us to do what the Palestinians do, which is to then jump over each other's garden walls to track through the mud, round the fields and the kind of the, the farmland bit. So the path I can see is the other side of that fence, but if you can see one, I can't. Then go into Palestinian Hebron and then come back up that hill and get checked again. And unfortunately for him, fortunately for us, the Palestinian couple that we were interviewing had, had left and locked their home. And we were like, well, you tell us what we should do. I mean, short of flying over the fence, we don't really have many options. And of course, he, he radioed into his commander and his commander said, let them walk up the road and be searched again. Thank you so much. In terms of the restrictions that we witnessed, a senior IDF official told us that the way that these barriers or the movement assessments work is it's based on situational assessments. And during the day for the passage of pedestrians, traffic monitoring, but it is also in order to provide security to all residents, meaning that this was not something that was applied specifically for the security of the settlers at the expense of the Palestinians. But that doesn't change the fact that what is being imposed on the Palestinians is not being imposed in a blanket way on the settlers. And the UN, which is trying to keep some kind of count of the number of Palestinians that have been forced out of their homes just since October 7th, and they say it's over a thousand, has not just placed the blame on the violence perpetrated against Palestinians by settlers, but also on the restrictions, on the ways that the restrictions make daily life almost impossible to navigate. And I can appreciate that there is a military reasoning given that the West Bank is under Israeli military occupation. There will be some kind of military justification, but the reality is that for Palestinians, you live every day, inside a system that finds ways to communicate to you that you are lesser than.
1: Well, Nema, thank you very much. Thank you. Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Anna Sterla and me, David Rind. Our senior producer is Haley Thomas. Dan DeZula is our technical director and Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. We get support from Alex Manissari, Robert Mathers, John Dionora, Lenny Steinhardt, Jameis Andres, Nicole Pessarou, and Lisa Namorau. Special thanks to Caroline Patterson, Barbara Titus, and Katie Hinman. Just a heads up, our next episode will come on January 3rd in the new year, so you can look for it then, January 3rd. In the meantime, there will be plenty of war coverage at cnn.com or the CNN app. You can also check out the CNN Five Things podcast for the very, very latest. Happy New Year from all of us. I'll talk to you later.
0: When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level.